Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there. And if you can, please support the Charks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for The Ringer. So he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop John from talking about his passions. It's one of the things I loved about him. Over the last few months, you know, whenever we would talk, whenever I would reach out to see how he was doing, I would try to keep it very John-focused. And the next thing I knew, we would be talking about James Harden or Better Call Saul. He really loved this stuff. Uh, he loved talking about it, celebrating it, debating it, illuminating it. We're going to keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers, Philly special, Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solek. And you know what? I could tell you it was only one game. It's only week two. Don't get carried away. It's a long season. There are injuries. There will be ups. There will be downs. But that's not the purpose of podcasting. The purpose of this is to give you a, a feeling, a snapshot in time. And that was the type of performance from the Eagles in their win over the Vikings. That at least makes me reimagine what Jalen Hurts could be, what this Eagles team mm -hmm. could be, what this season could be, what the future could be. That's just me being honest. Ben Solak, how we doing? We said it. We said it preseason. Right? We, we, we walked through the weeks of the season. I said, <laughs> you stop me at the game that you need to see Jonathan Gannon perform at to believe that the Eagles have a shot. And we got to week two to the Minnesota Vikings before the Justin Jefferson week one game against the Packers. And you said, I want to see them stop the Vikings offense in week two. 
Seven points, three red zone interceptions. This is a pretty good day in the office, brother. I, I don't even know where to begin. The defense, Jalen Hurts, you're right. Yeah, I remember I did say that. That was one of, one of our first podcasts, and they did it. They shut them down. This was a performance I did not see coming from their defense. You did not see coming from their defense. We're no. going to get to all of it. I have to be honest, though. I have to start with Jalen Hurts because that was a game that I did not think Jalen Hurts had in him. I thought he looked different. I thought his arm looked stronger than ever. I thought he was more decisive than ever. I thought he was more accurate than he's ever been. I thought he had complete command. I mean, 26 for 31, that's what, 83% completions. Those were 333 yards, averages 10.7 yards per attempt, runs 11 times for 57 yards, and two touchdowns. I haven't crunched all the numbers and compared all of his starts in his career. That felt, to me, I test the best we've ever seen of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Is yeah, that yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what it felt like to you as well. Absolutely, yeah. And this... Like, you know, Troy had a lot of complaints about the style of defense that the Vikings are running. And the Vikings certainly should have gotten out of what they were in after halftime. And they did change stuff a little bit. The Eagles scored no points coming out of the locker room. But they were in it for, you know, like they were in their, their quarter stuff and their base stuff a little bit longer than they probably should have. But this is a sort of defense that could have and often did give Jalen Hurts troubles last year where because the Eagles passing game lacked levels, right? Because it was like either a go ball or underneath stuff. They really couldn't take advantage of trying to stretch out these levels, right? Trying to put vertical strain on, on, a, on this defense and find gaps in, in, in some of these zones. Jalen Hurts throwing middle of the field. Jalen Hurts throwing late and fast over the middle of the field to Dallas Goddard, a tight window. Jalen Hurts landing on his, on his back foot and driving a ball to A.J. Brown middle of the field on time and rhythm. We don't this this that we didn't see some of that. That was ripping new. throws, was, ripping throws. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Absolutely, little sizzlers. Yeah, there was uh, and like, were there throws where he like hit the top of his drop, looked middle of the field, patted the ball, didn't take it, and then immediately busted out of the pocket? Yes, but like as we've said before, like you, that's part of how he plays. Like that 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 that's part and parcel with how good of a runner as he is. You're just gonna have to live with that. It's the fact that he's trying to push himself to make some of those throws that that I think is super encouraging and also really empowering for the season if he's able to figure that out, if he's able to actually improve upon those, make those more consistent, made that a bigger part of the offense over the course of the next few weeks. Derek Klassen of Football Outsiders summarized it very well. He said during the game, uh, Jalen Hurts has gotten a little bit better for the seventh year in a row. And that's just what it is with Hurts, is that every single offseason since Oklahoma, since the freshman year at Alabama where he couldn't, throw the football. He got benched for, for Tua Tungabailoa because he couldn't pass it. Since we've this guy's entered the national visibility as a quarterback, every offseason he comes back a little bit better. And by like offseason five, six, and now this offseason seven, you're kind of like, okay, but he's going to hit a ceiling. Like he can't. You, we don't see players just consistently improve year over year. That doesn't really happen. It looks like Jalen Hurts is better. It looks like he's better in his third season with the Eagles and is it the seventh season now in college of professional ball. It looks like he once again has taken a step if we were going off of this game. That's just thrilling. He's so fun to root for. He's got such a fun play style. You just feel like he's limited. You feel like he can't be the guy of the future. If he can continue to improve, holy smokes. I mean, this this he's one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the league if he continues on this arc. That, that was always the feeling was that... 
you don't know what Jalen Hurts' ceiling is, but you have a pretty good sense that he's going to reach that ceiling because of what he puts into it. Like, you don't know what's he going to cap out at. What's the best version of Hurts look like? And to be honest, uh, I, I've had doubts. I mean, we've had the conversations. I said, you know what? I think yeah. the most likely scenario is he will, is not going to be the quarterback for week one of 2023. But again, I didn't know this. This version to me looks so different than anything we have seen previously. I mean, the first possession, uh, he gets out on the move and rips one to Dallas Goddard. What if we talked about, well, you know, it hurts when he takes off. He usually uh, is going to look to run and he's not going to look to throw. He made a great throw. The bomb to your boy, Quez Watkins, 53-yard touchdown. No one within uh, two miles of Quez Watkins. Busted <laughs> coverage, baby. We talked all about the Packers busting coverages when they were facing Justin Jefferson. We forgot about busting versus Quez Watkins, the other side of the coin. It didn't have to be a perfect throw. Obviously, there was no one near him, but that was a heck of a throw. I mean, if he would have been in a man coverage with someone on his hip, I think that still would have been uh, a touchdown. They uh the the throw to Quez that got called back because of the penalty, man. The one oh, that he was rolling out to his left. Oh, Best oh, throw of the oh, night, oh, right? I was up out of my seat. Oh, <laughs> that was a ball. I, and, you know, he felt it, too, because he I, I, I when he saw that there was a flag and it was coming back, he kind of put his hands together like, come on, I had one. That looked very reminiscent uh, of like a Trevor Lawrence throw from Sunday where he's rolling out to his left and just rips one to the sideline. So, again, these are throws I did not know he was capable of making. Maybe you see him once in a while, but to see them consistently throughout the course of a game, spreading the ball around. I mean, I'm looking at the box score here. Goddard had five for 82. Devontae Smith, seven for 80. Quez Watkins, two for 69. Yeah. AJ Brown, five for 69. I mean, spreading the ball around. I tried to figure targets. out how to make Stathead tell me like when was the last Eagles game in which four receivers had 60 plus yards, but I don't know how to make the stats do that. That's for somebody who understands it. But it feels like like that level of spread out, that level of distributed production, obviously feels like a little bit of a, a uh, an aberration. Awesome. Awesome to see how quickly and easily and effortlessly they were like, yeah, Devontae Smith game. Yeah, we had no problem with that, right? Like it was like a good yes. AJ Brown game, had a couple explosives, like uh, yeah, had some schemed up targets, had the wide receiver screen, he had the in-breaking route, whatever. But it was cool how they were like, oh, zone? Devontae. Like, yeah, he had, he had no catches last week. We're, in, we're not hassled by that. We, we know how to get everybody involved in this offense. It was also really cool that they kept on going back to that Dallas Goddard tight end flat RPO. We talked about this a little bit last week. Big explosive play against Detroit. Oh, it's so easy. It's such a layup. It's, it's a good example, microcosm, of how easy Jalen Hurts makes the offense. Just do a little run of RPO. They're worried about the quarterback run. You get a little bit of free space to the boundary. Nice, easy completion. And they lost that this game because... I don't know, Cleet Blakeman. In my head, every ref is Cleet Blakeman. Whatever the head umpire was just so dialed in on illegal man downfield penalties that they basically just couldn't access their RPO game in terms of the timing they like to run it at. To lose that and then to still feel like they were getting easy stuff underneath is really, really cool. Like there was... The, the, this this passing game felt so much more fluid. It felt so much yes. more adjusted to the day, to the opponent, than it ever did last season. I swear I had in my notes when we were doing the film breakdown last week that, you know, a couple of these RPOs where Hertz is holding the ball, they've got linemen way downfield. I think that's something to keep an eye on. I would have looked so smart. I never got to it. It's not that interesting. It's not that fun to talk about on a podcast. But yes, I think somebody, whether it was Kevin O'Connell or somebody else, certainly got uh, to the officials there. So... I honestly don't know what else to say 
about Hurts. I mean, listen, if he plays like this, they're absolutely Super Bowl contenders. Um, I, it's week two. Fine. Right. You want to say it's crazy. It's week two. Settle down. No. I mean, that type of performance uh, shows you that this team has a ceiling that we thought maybe we'll see the ceiling this year. Maybe we won't see the ceiling this year. Well, it's week two. And they had uh, and they kind of delivered it to you. I mean, the first half, 347 yards of offense, the most in a game uh, in a half for a team this season, the most by an Eagles team in the first half since 2010, 2010. Ben, were you born in 2010? Almost. Okay. Just barely. All right. Just, just made the cutoff. <laughs> yeah. There's two things I'll say for her top of this game that I'm, I'm interested to see. Number one is, is what happened in the second half. The Eagles scored no points in the second half. Uh, there is no lead that you take into halftime that you go, okay, well, if we score no, no points in the second half, we're probably okay, right? So that, that's never part of the plan. So I'm curious to see kind of where some of that, that tailed off. Obviously, like, they had the opportunity to score three, and a kick gets blocked. So, like, you know, it could be like a three-point second half, and that just feels a little better. Curious to see what, what things look like there, number one. They're, they're obviously sitting on the ball for a good amount of the fourth quarter, too. But you're just going to see what, what were the adjustments, how did Hurts kind of feel about those. And then number two, I'm really curious to see on some of the scrambles, on some of the like very early checkdowns to, to Miles Sanders and to Dallas Goddard in the flat, what did the downfield routes look like? Because Hurts will have open guys and not take them. Like He threw intermediate middle more in this game than we were accustomed to seeing. There's a chance he had even more opportunities that he didn't take. I want to see, A, just because I want to see if they're there, right? Like, I want to see what the decision process was like and if there's still meat on the bone. Not to, like, criticize Hurts, but to say, okay, how much can he get away with not doing and the offense still works? What's the margin for error here? Because if it's like Hurts ran a totally perfect game as a passer, every time he had a downfield shot, he took it. Every time he had an open intermediate window, he took it. And then when it was underneath, he went there. Great, Hurts just played a perfect game, but you don't trust the guy to play a perfect game week after week. And that's every quarterback yeah. in the league. That's not Hurts, that's all quarterbacks. If it was an imperfect game, and it still looked like this, that's actually better news. It's encouraging news. There's obviously stuff to work on It's week two, but also you just know there's that margin for error, right? And, and the margin for error always just comes as, as a wash in the running game. Like that, the second touchdown was just... Oh my God, how did I not even it? mention that yet? Yeah, that might have... Unbelievable, what a run. Incredible. I, it is so cool to watch how much the Eagles' skill position players and offensive line love Jalen Hurts, like, finishing runs and breaking tackles, right? Like, the first touchdown, Devontae Smith starts, like, angry stomping. Dallas Goddard is, like, like, a full squat flexing, right? Because it was, like, a tough physical run. Hurts pushes his way into the end zone. And then it's Goddard and Smith again next to him on the second touchdown. And he fights his way through, and they're just freaking out. Like, it... Uh, it is so clear how much fun they find it when Hertz like puts his shoulder into the chest of a corner and takes him three yards. Like that's just his, it's, it's there. It's him and Josh Allen. Like those are the yes. only QB runners in the league who do that. Like Lamar doesn't break tackles like that. Lamar like avoids tackles. He breaks angles. This like physical running style, which like, please don't get hurt. Never get hurt. Like when he was out there on like the four minute drive, I was like, Hey Gardner, we got to get Gardner <laughs> in the building. But that physical running style is just it it matches the Eagles identity. The Eagles skill position players clearly appreciate it so much. It fires Hurts up. It's the way he wants to play. It's it's very much an identity thing and it matters. It resonates. It's really sick. It's a very rare uh 
skill for a quarterback, like you mentioned him, Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, I'm going back to my college days and Michael Robinson at Penn State gets everybody fired up by just lowering oh, his shoulder and knocking somebody down. So yeah, that 26 yard touchdown run. I mean, I was thinking back to that run he had against the Saints when you're just trying to think, all right, what are some of the highlight level runs he's had? And I think that one was definitely up there where Dallas Goddard's out there, man coverage. He realized Hurts is running. He starts blocking your, you know, in your head, you're going, all right, nice run. All right, really nice run. Wait, does he have a chance to score? Oh my gosh, I think he's going to score. And then all of a sudden you look and the ref is holding their arms in the air and mm-hmm. it's a 26-yard touchdown. So yeah, he, he's got it all. I'm also interested to see. The second half, I'll just say watching live, it didn't feel like the Vikings were doing a lot to slow them down. Like you mentioned, there's a blocked field goal in there where they had an 11-play drive, picked up three first downs. Uh, there was a Jordan Mailata holding, which kind of set them back a little bit. That's the one you were talking about earlier where he had the incredible throw to Quez Watkins might have been his yeah, best throw, throw of the night. And then it's the Gainwell screen that, uh, you know, goes. I, I, I saw some people saying that was on Hertz. I mean, I thought Hertz made a hard, tough throw and put it right on Gainwell's hands and it bounced off of his hands yeah. uh, for an interception. So I'm not putting it's that always on tough to throw screen passes with heat. And that's what he had to do because of the timing of it. And like, that's never how you draw it up. And that's why you don't want to throw it fast because it ricochets off something and there's just so many bodies there. Um, yeah, Gainwell. Gain, schemed gain well targets continue to be something I don't particularly understand. <laughs> they continue to call on them. All right, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back and let's get into the defense. Listen, we've been, uh, I personally have been tough on Johnny Gans. I think Ben's been tough on the Johnny Gans. fighting Johnny Gans. And they, and they deliver. So we'll be back and we'll talk about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Johnny Gans, gotta hand it to you. I've been wait. I was waiting. I waited all last year. I waited the first game of this year. It took 20 games. I said, listen, I know you're not going to come through every time against good, competent quarterbacks. I'll say competent, not good, uh, because Kirk Cousins did not look good today. But just show it to me once. We didn't see it once last year. We didn't see it one time. Any time they faced a competent to above average quarterback, this defense was a complete disaster. Well, guess what? Today, he came through. Credit to you, Johnny Gantz. Credit to, I thought Darius Slay, I can't remember the last game by an Eagles cornerback that was this good. I mean, I think we have to go back to the Asante Samuel days. He was incredible 
in this game. Really could have had like four interceptions in this game. He was everywhere. He looked like someone who was saying, all right, Justin Jefferson is being gassed up a little bit too much. I can still play. Right. Let me make some plays here. Uh, I know it's hard to see off TV copy. What were some of the things that stood out to you kind of schematically uh, with how they played today defensively? Just call every game with the same amount of disdain and disrespect that you had for Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And then if it doesn't work, like dial it back, you know, get back to your stuff, whatever. But it was so clear that they just did not think for a second that this passing game could do anything to them on a clear passing down. Like, oh, if we just get them to third and long, we just rush, we'll put our four down, we're going to blitz, we're going to play man coverage, and they don't have us. Like, we're just... We're going to beat them. Just do that all the time. Just just be living in an aggressive mindset. Live in a, in a philosophy that says, hey, on third and eight, we can line you up. We can match you up. And we can dial up pressure. And we can put the onus on you to execute. You're not always going to get a Kirk on Monday Night Football because Kirk's now two and nine on Monday Night Football <laughs> or whatever the heck it is. Just love me a Kirk Cousins, baby. But operate from that paradigm and then shift gears when necessary, right? Like, Last year, you were getting the Derek Cars of the world and letting them nickel and dime you. Now you're on the forefoot. Now you're now you're on the aggressor. And like a lot of that is because I'm sure the personnel is better. I understand that. But we didn't see that in week one when it was Jared Goff. Right. And now here you see it in week two and it when it was Kirk Cousins. Uh it, we asked for man coverage and we got that. This is the exact game for which you acquire a Darius Slay. It is that wide receiver one is incredible. And then wide receiver two, three, tight end one, they're fine, right? Like Adam Thielen is a little bit past his prime. KJ Osborne is, is okay. Irv Smith is okay. So if we just have a dude who like, we'll help him out. We'll put like a, a safety on top, but we just have him follow their wide receiver one around. We should be good everywhere else. This is exactly why you spend premium capital at the corner position. It's for this game. The Packers elected not to go this round, got burned for it. The Eagles said, we're just simply not going to repeat that mistake. So number one, good change of pace, good uh, changed pitch for Jonathan Gannon because you would have expected them to come out and play zones, what they usually do is what the Vikings did against the Eagles, so on and so forth. Number two is, we recorded this podcast last week, a post-game podcast, and we were astounded that they did not have a way to get Jordan Davis on the field with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. They got Jordan Davis on the field with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. They, on early downs, Jordan Davis played the vast majority of his snaps on first down. On early downs, they were in five down fronts. And they said to Minnesota, hey, you want to put like spread personnel on the field, but go heavy. That's what, that's what they did against the, the, the Packers, is we put like, oh, three receivers on the field, but we go condensed formations and we run the football. You want to do that. We're not going to let you do that. We're going to put our five down here, and then we're going to have you spread it out and pass. And yes, at times that means Hassan Reddick on Johnny Munt. At times that means TJ Edwards over Justin Jefferson. A lot of Johnny Munt but tonight, event, I thought. I mean, I didn't think Monday night football, a lot Munt of Johnny Munt. I don't know. Yeah. I think Irv was a little banged up, I guess. I don't know. But at times that means you're going to get us in matchups we don't like. But eventually we're going to get an early down stop and a running play. And then you're in passing downs. And once you're in passing downs, we no longer respect you. So we're going to stop Dalvin Cook on first down, get you into second and long, put Kirk into shotgun, and then we're going to bully him. It, it, it is the, it, like, this was the best Jalen Hurts game we've seen. This is the most aggressive Jonathan Gannon game we've uh. seen. And accordingly, it's the best Jonathan Gannon game we've seen. This, I, I, I had no faith he was going to come out like this. 
with with the gumption. Why would you? Why was, would you? Based on what we've it. seen, yeah. yeah, there was no reason to to uh, believe or think that this was coming. So credit to him, credit to their defense. First possession, like you said, third down. Wait a minute. Is that man coverage? Darius Slay on Justin Jefferson? What the heck is going on on here? Did someone steal the headset from Johnny Gans? Great PBU by Darius Slay. Second possession, third down. James Bradbury. Now, I don't know. Uh, Troy Aikman was saying that was cover one. I don't know why James Bradbury would be on Irv Smith, but I don't know what the personnel was or what they did. But he seemed to think that that was Bradbury on Irv Smith, uh, cover one, man coverage, and he came up with the PBU. Yeah. So they were, they were in a nub. So like... The Eagles used to do this a lot with Ertz. Three receivers to one side and then one tight end isolated to the other side, but attached to the line of scrimmage. And it's a cheesy way of trying to get that tight end on a linebacker. Gotcha. And that's good situational ball by Gannon being like, oh, no, 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 no. When you put him there, we know what you do with him. Like, yeah. this is not, he's getting a corner. You can't do this to us. Um, yeah, they, uh, that, oh, so much of wide receiver corner play is confidence and momentum. It really, really is. Like a lot of it is mentality and headspace. On that first third and five Slay Jefferson pass breakup, there was a little bit of like, is it one of these nights? Like, are we a little like, oh, okay, because that was that was defensive pass interference. We ain't getting that flag. Oh, it might be one of these nights, and it was one of those nights all the way through. It worked out great. T.J. Edwards on the fourth possession had a PBU on Irv Smith on third down. Irv Smith, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of Irv Smith on here. Irv Smith had a bad drop. Blitz by Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on a third down. Get off the field. Darius Slay interception. Get off the field. Devontae Maddox. I thought that looked like a fantastic interception. How many times have we watched the underneath defenders for the Eagles in zone coverage not get enough depth? The ball gets layered over their head. And to, I mean, this even goes back to the Jim, anytime the yep. Jim Schwartz, the Johnny game. And that was a great job, I thought, of Avante Maddox not having seen it on film, getting enough depth and making a very nice interception there. And then again, Slay comes back uh, with another interception. I got here. That was a, a zero blitz. They had on the ninth possession of the game. The game is in hands and Johnny hand and Johnny Gans. Is that, breaking that's out why I blitz. say disrespect. That's why I say disdain. <laughs> that was very clearly like, uh, hey, wait a minute. Screw that guy. He's not good. Yes. We don't lose. Right. And like, that's why you don't go, okay, we're up 17. Let's kind of get back to our stuff. No, it was like, we, we don't want any of him to score. We don't like him. We don't like their receivers. We don't like any of the narratives around which receivers are drafted by them and by us and which one was on the team and now is on the team. We would like to beat this passing game. We know that dude when he was in Washington. We know some of these receivers. We'd like to make a statement here. And so they stay, like I said, like on the forefront for, for four quarters. That's new and awesome. The armpit test, Benny Souls. Listen, yeah. Kirk, Kirk Cousins, if he's, if he's taking a whiff, if he's wearing an undershirt underneath that jersey, that thing is wet. Kirk Cousins is going to be sore. When he wakes up tomorrow morning, he got hit. He was on the ground. He was chucking and ducking. These are not things we've seen like any competent quarterback do against the Eagles since the start of last season. These are things we saw a lot of quarterbacks do in years past with very good Eagles defenses. Everybody loved watching those teams. And so, yes, it is a sign that there are some other tools in that toolbox. It took a while to break them out. Maybe they were stuck. Maybe you had to yank really hard and it took 20 games to get them out of there. But you were able to get 
get him out of there. And it's uh, a very incur- now it's like like I dreaded watching the I hate watching the all twenty two of this defense for the last year plus. I'm like, what? Why? What am I going to gain from this? I'm just going to get mad that I'm going to go on a podcast in two days and yell about it. Guess what? This is going to be a fun film to look at. There are going to be blitzes to look at as well. Oh, Slay traveled with him here. Uh, all sorts of things to look at, and it also makes you excited for the future, including next week, by the way, when Carson Wentz uh, comes into town and, and right. what your game plan is going to be against him. Kirk Cousins, 27 for 46, 221, 4.8 yards per attempt, one touchdown, three interceptions. Even those numbers are gassed up by uh, by some garbanzo beans yards right. he picked up late in the fourth quarter. I would, yeah. And I would say even more impressive than the Kirk Cousins box score is the Dalvin Cook box score, man. How about the Justin Jefferson box score? (laughs) Six for 48 on 12 targets, dude. That's awesome. So, okay. Moments of sobriety. Vikings walk out of the the halftime locker room. Immediately go no huddle. Eagles are stuck with Kaiser White on the field. They're stuck with their four-down rush package on the field. Vikings start to get that nickel and dime game going a little bit. Something that the Lions were able to do in the running game and in the short passing game against that grouping, right? So they weren't in the 5-1 stuff that they were in on early downs in the first half because once the Vikings got them in a four-down look, they went no huddle. Keep them in this four-down look. So still stuff to figure out there because there's a lot of space when that personnel is on the field. The underneath stuff is accessible. I don't think they like to be in their man coverage stuff when they have that grouping on the field. I think they try to get an extra defensive back. You saw some of 33 Scott. You saw some of 42 Wallace in this game. That's that's more so where they where they want to be when they're in their man coverage stuff. So that's number one. Number two, Vikings scored seven points. Kirk threw three picks. It's great. Those three picks came on the 19-yard line, the 27-yard line, and the 9-yard line, all Philadelphia. The Vikings were knocking on the door at yes. times. And the picks were great, right? The the one, the Darius Slay one where Justin Jefferson broke off the route wrong is just, I love, I love how much Justin Jefferson and Kirk hate each other. And you know they do. You know they, they, they are a quarterback and a star receiver and they're tethered together and they have to throw it again forever. But you just know there's way too much smoke. I think Jefferson it's a one way, I think it's Kirk a one way year. deal. Yeah, I don't know. I, you think oh, Kirk hates, I mean, like, Kirk, I mean, Kirk should be very thankful for Jefferson. I think Jefferson hates Kirk. Yeah, I think that's Kirk. Clear. I, whatever, like, you know, the the yuppie, harmless, white Michigan guy version <laughs> of hate is, is that's how Kirk feels about Jefferson. It's more just like, like, you know, like Jefferson comes with the signs like, oh, Chuck's man, you can't break it. Like, you know, it's just not the same in terms of the disdain that Jefferson has for him. But like the toxicity in that relationship, I love it. It's a mess. It's great. But you have the Darius Slay one at the goal line, the Maddox, beautiful sail tech, gorgeous zone work. Maddox has always been so good at that. Uh, Walls with a knock on the door, and then you have kind of the last one for Darius Slay when they're kind of just like throwing up prayers trying to get back in this game. But the Vikings were in scoring position a lot more than seven points would indicate. Yes. So still a little bit bending, not breaking from the Gannon defense in, in, in terms of a few drives. Largely great performance. Seven points a little bit belies what the Vikings offense were doing. Those turnovers show up really, really big on the scoreboard. Yes, I would agree with that. There were even times in the second mm-hmm. half where, you know, you're always like one score away. We talked about it on the Ringer NFL show with all the crazy comebacks this weekend that at 24-7, mm-hmm. once that becomes 24-14 and there's like, you know, eight, nine, ten minutes left, uh, it becomes a little bit more uncomfortable. But they were never able to get that touchdown and make it that uncomfortable. Now, what what could you tell other than, all right, playing some more man coverage with Slay on Jefferson? 
I, you know, were you able to tell what their sort of game plan was, keeping a safety over the over the top, what what they were doing to slow him down? Was it just get to Cousins a lot and right. not allow him to get there? Because, like you said, he was still targeted twelve times. Right. It's funny too. It was very. It was. I talked about this a little bit when we previewed Gannon preseason. It was more Zimmery than we've seen him be. Right. So you're you get they got to like a very classic Zimmer pressure on the first drive of the game where TJ Edwards just blew Dalvin Cook Kingdom Come. Right where you have five da- five guys down on the line, the two outside edge rushers are going to drop. So both Sweat and Reddick are going to drop, and Edwards going to come down the shoot. So you have four rushers like all from the interior, and you're looking to get that linebacker ahead of steam on the back. They get that Edwards collisions Cook, muddies up the pocket. Uh, Cousins got to throw the ball now. You get the one on one pass breakup. So you have there's Zimmer stuff there in terms of the pressures, and then also. When they're in man, like like you brought up, they were in cover one for that one James Bradbury breakup, and they were in their one hole stuff, the one robber stuff, so one deep middle safety and then one safety in the low hole, right? So like all those intermediate crossers. But they're also in two man, so two deep safeties with man coverage. What, what that allows you to do against a star receiver like Jefferson is it allows Darius Slay to play in the trail, right? So I'm at the line of scrimmage. I'm going to jam you aggressively to the line and disrupt your release. If you get by me, I'm okay with that because I have a safety over the top over this half of the field. And now I'm going to play in your, in your back hip. I'm going to play underneath you between you and the quarterback. And I'm just eyeing your body and where you break. I'm going to break. And I'm just going to close this window, which I think is the right way. I think like, like two man and getting to your man trail and getting to your cone brackets and like this, the stuff that comes from the two man family, that's where you want to be against Justin Jefferson. You brought up Wentz and Washington next week. The, the commanders have had like these big, long stretches of like bursts of point scoring, right? They had it in the first half against Jacksonville. They had it in the second half against Detroit. A big part of that is because they have three legitimate big play receivers, right? So here in, in the Vikings, you have a, a, a nucleus. You have a solar system. There's a sun that is Justin Jefferson in the passing game. Everything revolves around him. In Washington over the first two weeks, with healthy Curtis Samuel, first-round pick Jahan Dotson, and then obviously Terry McLaurin, they've had the ability to go against anybody on man coverage and like explosive Jahan Dotson play, explosive Curtis Samuel play. They push the ball down to the field with all three of those guys. That's where things get interesting because now it becomes a little bit more pick and choose your matchup. That reads a lot more like a zone heavy game for Gannon in terms of what we've seen, but that's also not fair to say because everything reads like a zone heavy game because that's mostly what Gannon does. So we'll kind of see if the success he had here in this week is going to leave man coverage something that that's more common for him but if we're look like this was a huge test and a huge check mark for Darius Slay I know like Jalen Hurts had the career game but to me like this is, I'll remember this is the Darius Slay yeah it'll be the game where I'm like oh shoot like yeah because if the Eagles are going to make a playoff run let's walk through the 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 NFC in terms of contenders you're going to run into some star receivers right so like if they have this Slay for this season it's huge in terms of of, of January playoffs so great game checking the Darius Slay box this upcoming Sunday is the James Bradbury and the Avante Maddox boxes, right? Okay, we can play man on their receiver one with this guy. Do we have somebody for wide receiver two? Do we have somebody for slot receiver, Chauncey Garner-Johnson? Do we have somebody for tight ends? Can we continue to be a good man coverage team against a variety of passing attacks? You prove this over the course of a few weeks in the season, you got you to gotta stew going, baby. We're cooking. Yeah, you just want to be able to do different things. You don't want to have to do the same thing every week. Uh, that's interesting. I didn't notice the two-man looks. I just looked it up. Last year, they played two snaps of two-man 
all season, according to PFF. Yep. True media. And I always wonder, why don't you play more two man? If you want to have, if you want to have play uh, two deep, now scrambling quarterbacks can kill you in two man because they've got you're playing man backs to the line of scrimmage, so you don't want to play it against scrambling quarterbacks, but against Kirk Cousins, yeah, sure. So yeah. I'll be curious to see how much uh, they definitely Slay was definitely in trail on Jefferson. There's a chance it's not two man okay. stuff. The chance like quarter quarter half stuff. Yeah, and that's what, like I was talking about. You get brackets on Jefferson. Like when they isolate him, you can play. Basically, two man just to that side of the field and let Slay play trail. And then the other side of the field, you're doing other stuff. So that'll conflate your numbers a little bit. But getting Slay in the trail with safety over the top on Jefferson is like that's how you double a guy while also playing man coverage. Works really well. The usual Johnny Gans philosophy is actually not a bad approach against. Carson Wentz. That is a quarterback who you can dare to go eight, nine plays in a row without making a mistake and see what happens at the same time. Uh, pressuring him is also going to be a good mm-hmm. idea. So we'll, of course, get into that matchup later this week. Ben, I have to ask you, what did you think of uh, the threads that I'm on? Maybe the most controversial moment of the night was when Darius Slay gave the football to James Harden. Is this, is this bad juju? Is this good? Are you happy? You seem to be happy about it. Philly has stars. What are you talking about? I got star corner handing a ball off to a star point guard. I got, I got issues. We got star athletes. I thought you were going to ask me about should Aaron Sipos be the punter or should he be a punt gunner? Holy smokes, baby. Big tackle. Explosiveness. Yeah. Absolutely. We chase down athleticism. If you get tackled by the holder and the holder's a punter on a blocked field goal, retire, man. Like, you can't. You cannot. They, I like... The Vikings locker room better never let Chris Boyd forget that a punter wearing eight got up off of one knee and chased him down. Despicable. That, that, that was a highlight uh, for Sipos. All right. Eagles, third, Eagles offense, third in EPA per drive through two weeks behind only the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. Eagles defense is 13th in EPA per drive, but coming off the best, the greatest performance of the Johnny Gans era. Ben, is there anything we did not get to here that you wanted to get to? I think we hit on all the big stuff. Slay amazing. No, I'm, with, I'm with you on Slay. Plan. Sorry, I, I did the annoying thing where you ask a question and then you just start answering. And then you th- realize you have something you want to say. No, no, roll with it, roll with it. No, I'm with you on Slay. I mean, I hope we're giving Slay uh, the, the amount of credit that he deserves because I, you know, I was critical of that trade at the time. I've been critical of his mm-hmm. play at time. Times he was fantastic last year, but this game and, and what they allowed him to do, I thought showcased uh, kind of another level that he can get to. And just the competitiveness, the way he was carrying himself was really like, no, 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 that you, you last week, what you did against the Packers, that's not happening here. And like that type of, I know it's, you know, superficial bravado, whatever body language, doctor, all that stuff. But you know what, when you're watching it on a, on a TV at home and yeah. you see a player doing that, that's fun to see. I know that I know that's fun to see for Eagles fans and people listening it's to It's superficial, this. but it's not. It matters. Well, well, the last time, uh, it, there may have been a time in the middle, but the last time I can remember the Vikings in the stadium was the NFC Championship game. In the words of Chris Long, anybody could have got it that night, right? Yeah. They're like, you get that first pass breakup, this guy's coming off a huge game where the opposing star corner complained that you didn't, he didn't get him in man coverage and you get him in man coverage, you start with a pass breakup, you get a pick, you give it to James Harden, you start to feel it a little bit. like And, and, there are some stadiums in the league where the crowd does not get that energy back to you. 
The Link is not one of them. The Link will get that energy back to you very quickly, especially when they're booing Jalen Rager <laughs> on every possible punt return. Like that, the Eagles fans like to welcome Minnesota to town. That is a that is a fun <laughs> game for them. And the guy who I think really gave their energy back to them tonight was, was, was Darius Light. That's going to give you a lot of confidence the next time you walk into that building. You're back on that field. You're back with those fans behind you covering the next star receiver. And like I said, corner is a lot of mentality stuff. So yes, good games will build on themselves at, at the corner position in a big way. It, it really was a great crowd. I can't remember the last time the crowd sounded like that just watching on TV. It feels like it was those 2017 yeah, playoff games. I mean, I don't remember seeing it like that. Uh, in a while. And the and the, the city's just going to go nuts now. I mean, we said it. If they win this game, and they even showed the graphic on TV, who they're playing for them now. Listen, they could lose next week, and we'll talk about that. But the pieces are in place now at 2-0 and in this division with the way the other teams are playing, with the way the rest of the conference is shaping up, with the, just the performance they played at, the level they played at. Tonight, uh, people are going to be going nuts, I, I think, for the next three, four months in the city. All right. Now I can actually mm-hmm. ask you, did I miss anything, Ben? All right. Six undefeated teams left. The Eagles are one of them. going to name the other ones. You tell me right now who you'd pick head to head on a neutral field in Arizona. Oh my ready? gosh. Okay. Right. Okay. Right now Miami. or in the Super Bowl? Like if they play this Sunday? It's, I promise this is not that serious. I'm just <laughs> trying to get to a bit at the end. Are you ready? All right. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs. Buffalo Bills. Bills. Miami Dolphins. Eagles. All right, that's the AFC. NFC, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't look too good. Bucks, but I'm thinking about it. Yep. And last but not least, the sixth undefeated team besides the Eagles at five, the New York Giants. (laughs) Talk about very different. Two undefeated NFC teams, baby. (laughs) A tie for first place. Oh, what a competitive division. Oh, my gosh. Eagles and Giants. God, I can't wait to beat the Giants by 30. There we go. All right. Well, this has been fun. We We have fun film to look at. We'll look at the film this week. We'll come back to you on Thursday. Go over that. Preview week three. We're in the season. We're in the groove. Things start moving. It's a short week on Monday. But what a win for the Eagles. What a performance by Jalen Hurts. What a performance by Darius Slay. What a performance by Johnny Gans. I'm not going to leave you out, Johnny Gans, okay? This is a fair podcast. When you deliver, we give you credit. So we'll be back with all of that. If you want some league-wide thoughts, Ben and I already recorded a Ringer NFL show where we're talking about all the other 31 other teams. You got to start scouting those Super Bowl teams. Like, Like Ben said, who do the Eagles best match up with in the Super Bowl? So make sure you listen to that. All right. Thank you to Ben Solak. Everyone rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, do all that good stuff. Tell your friends to listen to this podcast throughout the season because it's going to be a fun one. And we will talk to you Thursday on the Ringer's Philly Special.